G'day guys, welcome back to Beers and Break Emmons. We've got Rep Brown this weekend, so no super coach, but uh, we thought we'd get back into the trenches and have another dig to you for you. Brought to you by a Bloke in a Bar. Mid strength came out last week, week before. Uh, sensational drop. Absolutely loving it. We've got, well, Denon's got some tracksuits dropping next Wednesday, 6 p.m. So stay tuned for that. They will go very, very quickly. Timmy, welcome back. What's doing? G'day, mate. Yeah, it's one of my favourite times of the NRL season, Rep Brown. Not just because of the rep footy on offer, but get a bit of a break from Supercoach, get a bit of time to uh, put the feet up, relax a little bit, recap the, the season so far. It's been a pretty hectic couple of months or more than a couple of months so far. Managing two sides, obviously the Kuma Stallions has been a big job, but looking after your trades each week as well, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot to do. I'd love to push back on you, but it's <laughs> a very, very fair shout. Uh, on that note, to a lot of keen Supercoach players, they'll be desperate uh, this week with no Supercoach on. And the playbook, they are taking a little spell for the week. Yeah, we do, mate. It's, um, as I said, it is a long season, a lot of work going on. So with no Supercoach on this week, it is an opportunity to sort of give all the contributors to the website, the podcast, a bit of a break, and then come back fresh from the spell next week and, and get stuck in for the run home. Contributors going pretty well too, just quietly. They are, mate, yeah. I think where the SC Playbook in-house league was first overall last year out of 17,000 leagues, and we're, we're second this year out of a few more, I was about 20,000 leagues plus. So hopefully if we can go back-to-back in that, not a bad bit of cred for the, for the website. You've been second for a while too, haven't you? We have, yeah. There's a little crew ahead of us that we can't seem to catch. So Do you know who they are? I do, actually. In my old stomping ground of school, they're St Greg's boys. So I'm uh, uh. coming for them and... A few words had between now and the end of season if we can keep up there. Should have put me in. Anyway. Yeah. All right, let's have a look at our scores and our ranks from the weekend. I scored 1,260. Uh, I dropped down two spots in ranking, so I'm ranked 43 at the moment. Um, that might be the greatest disappointment of my life, just quietly. Timmy, how are you travelling? Not too bad. Not a great week last week. I was 11.60 and I thought I'd have some, some really big drops, but I dropped 100 spots down to 2.46 overall. So I was very happy with that. There wasn't a lot of spread in scores last round, particularly among the sort of top one to 500 to 1,000. I think that there were, for whatever reason, player ownership, uh, a lot of lower scores, lower-ended scores. So, yeah, just under, well, yeah, 2.46 going into the run home and not a bad place to be. Mate, going into round 17, I think this is uh, the little lead that I needed just quietly. I feel like Todd Byrne and your Scotty Sattler, I can feel you coming. Yeah. Round 17. You're going to run me down with a lot of numbers, I think. Yeah, you've got uh, you've grown that little buffer a little bit, so I'm still still pretty confident I can run you down. But 17 will be the big one, and yeah. it's such a, a big couple of weeks in Supercoach. With, and while there's so much planning going into 17, if luck falls your way or doesn't between origin ins and outs, injuries, all sorts of things, things like your Isaiah Tasses and your Trent Peoples getting named or not named, it's it's a big few weeks ahead. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh, we're joined once again by Matty the Waterboy, super coach extraordinaire. What's doing? What's going on? What's going on? I got 1,132 this week and my rank stayed roughly the same. I dropped a couple of thousand spots, so still still in the top 41,000. Did you make trades? Yeah, I did. I did. I, I can't remember what they were, but I did make them. Yeah, nice. You, you're going to keep making them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I, we're in the home stretch now, so I think I'll try and use as many of the 23 trades as I can that I've got still. 50k would come in handy too. Oh, yeah, be nice. No doubt. <laughs> I'm going to back the water boy in from here. I think he's got it in him. He's, he's almost a given to win round 17 because he'll have. he's probably got five <laughs> trade boosts up his sleeve. He can use about 12 trades in the next few weeks. He'll go into round 17, have... 
25 active players, he'll smash that round. Yeah, could be the greatest non-sniper team of all <laughs> yeah. time. All right. Now, as it is sort of mid-season review, we've got no super coach uh, on this weekend. We thought that we'd go through three key questions. The first one, what have we learned this season? And I'm going to throw it to Timmy here, our uh, resident expert, because uh, there's been a lot of lessons that we have learned this year. What have been the biggest ones for you? Not of not a lot of new things for me. Uh, a lot of things that have been reinforced. And I suppose the first one was the big question going into the year was coming off 2021, which was the highest Supercoach scoring season in history by like such a lengthy margin. We, we saw players like Tommy Turbo average 143 points. Nathan Cleary was about 108. These massive, massive ceilings of players. There are the few rule tweaks, namely to the six again, basically that they were going to try to bridge the gap between these massive blowout scores in the NRL, but no major changes. So it was all about trying to guess and say, all right, do we pay these top, top dollar for players like Tommy Turbos, Ruben Garrix, Alex Johnstons, <clears throat> or do we think it's going to reg regress to a lot lower scoring and do we go back to sort of base stat players? <clears throat> and what's happened is, you know, obviously we're now, what, 15 rounds into the season, it has regressed quite significantly to last year. Uh, there's a bit more necessity for based up players. However, it's it's probably a little above halfway between base and ceilings. Like the need is still to get these players who can get 150 plus, uh, not your players who will punch out consistent 60s. So that's the way I've seen it. That you still need to go attack, attack, attack for I suppose your more high risk players, but your high reward. Um, that's probably the first one that sort of come to mind for me and I don't see it changing too much in the rest of the season. Obviously, last year was just unbelievable and the gap has closed, but there's no doubt that your ceilings are higher now than what they were in 2020. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah just not as high as 21, yeah, essentially. That's it. So, And it was such a pivotal decision in the pre-season of we really had to guess, like, where is it going to be? And we had to make these assessments in the first two rounds prior to that those round three trades when prices changed. But... You'd be like if you paid up for your turbos, your tos, your garricks, these sorts of players, it was such a substantial chunk of your salary cap. But not only that, because as we saw, there were the low scores early on, they've all just dropped so much in cash that you know, Tommy Turbo was about four or five hundred K in drops, Brian Toto was about 300k as well. So that amount of money going into your squad value, it, it's been the real differentiator between where you'd be ranked right now. Yeah, when I look at it, you know, the, the lesson I've probably learnt this year, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm cards on table. I've never been as much of a keen classic player until this year when I've done pretty <laughs> yeah. damn well. Uh, yeah, the that's why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but, but that's 100% the reason why I, I've got Tim here because he's the expert on it. But I think that one thing I learnt this year and from having a lot of, like, normally I'm having conversations with people that play a lot of classic and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of learning and p picking up things from them. I sort of felt like this year there was a lot of good classic players that just missed the mark so far on when to buy and when to spend your big money. And Turbo, he's obviously the mascot for it. Yeah. He is the absolute face Flag of it. Bearer. And I remember listening to, you know, three or four of my really good mates that know Supercoach Classic inside out that are top thousand finishers most years just saying, you got to get him, you have to. And I was just sitting there going, he's worth so much money. The rules have changed. He plays Penrith round one. Like, there was just so many red oh. flags there. And I, like I, I had written down here that something I've learned is to pay for keepers, but I should probably change it to pay for keepers not named Tom Trevojevic mm. this year. I've found that with guys like IPAP, Cleary, Hines, um, these are all guys that I didn't start with originally and I probably paid a little bit overs for them, but just getting them 
and the points I got off the back of it made a huge difference for me, especially IPAP. When I brought him, I think I, I raised a few eyebrows, but he was just a must-have guy. There's no doubt about it. For sure. And that's where it also comes into... When you talk about paying for keepers, we can get caught up way too much in break-evens. And if you've got keepers, particularly blokes with high high ceilings like your Nico Hines, Ryan Pappenhausen's, these sorts of guys, and you look at them and go, all right, they've got a, a 130 or 140 break-even, there's every chance they drop significant cash. Well, they could also score 200 points. Mm. And if you miss out on that, particularly when other teams have skippered them, that can be your super coach season effectively done in one round because there's like a 400-point swing. Um, so while break-evens are important, and they're, they're particularly important early on in the season because we are trying to up that ca- um, squad value, as the season progresses and our squad value increases and our squads are getting deeper, break-evens become less relevant, basically. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing I've probably learned is, like, I'm so glad that I'm sitting where I am with a fair whack of trades up my sleeve. Mm. Like other blokes I talk to, they're in the same sort of spots of us, which have done very well, but they're down to your 10 and nine trades. I just don't know how they're going to survive in the back end. And that's why I'm where, you know, there's no sympathy for them because nothing's changed. I mean, this year we got more trades, but yeah. we got boosts and all these sort of things. Nothing's changed in the sense that we all knew how important trades were. We all... I always plan my game for having a lot of trades around this buy period so that I can go hard at rounds 13, round 17 uh, and set my squad up. So that was probably the other thing that SC Playbook and Beers and Breakeven and faithful listeners would be sick of hearing me dwell on about it. But I'm such a long-term strategy mm-hmm. rather than short-term. And it happens to me every year and I'm seeing the patterns emerging, but I am the slowest starter in Supercoach because... Early on in the year, I'll pay the extra 70 or 80k for a cheapie with good job security in a good side worth, say, 250k, rather than a bloke at 175k, let's say a, a Schiller down at the Raiders, who's like, well, the job security just isn't there. There's every chance. There's players coming back. I think it was a Geordie Rapana might have missed the first couple yep. of rounds, and it was just never going to be a, a long term play for him. So, in that side, so uh, avoiding guys like him and getting a guy worth 250k who then make you 200k and a more viable plays in your 17 uh it pays off so much in the long term and like as an example of that my round rank after round one 80,000 round two 46,000 round three 28,000 like dramatic people out there going too far back can't win it it's like people relax it's a few rounds into the season then went into 8,000 7,000 4,000 2,000 and so on but i It'd be this similar pattern for my side every single year. And you basically take those hits early to have the depth to build further down the track, build your squad value. And it really does. It's paid off for me every single year. So long term is so much more important than short term. Yeah, mate. Like I I was pretty much exactly the same Mm. at the start of the year. I I think I was still 40 or 50,000 at round three or round four. Uh, And then it just all came together. Then we got... We both did well in round 13, but I, I, I hit the fucking jackpot in round 13. And I had that one week where I think I you know, got the 35th high score mm. and that just fucking catapulted me there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I also feel like, and obviously I've never been in the position I am here. This is common ground for you. So I feel like I'm going to learn a lot <laughs> of lessons over the next 10 weeks. And the when I look at your squad and I say the depth that you've got, I think there's going to be a few lessons for me to learn yeah, there. We'll see. Enough I, I'll tell you not. what, if we hold our ranks and we're sort of top 100 with five, six rounds to go, this is going to be a pretty quiet podcast. Oh, will it ever? <laughs> we'll be taking it to the grave with me. The only probably other one that I want to touch on there was, again, not not new information, but just to reinforce is that vice-captain loopholes are pretty overrated. I, I haven't had 
a decision to go, oh, do I loop him this week or not? That's a pretty solid score, particularly in the, the I suppose we call it the modern era of Supercoach with these massive ceilings and you see... Cleary's up against sides like a, an understrength Titans and Warriors and Nico Hines doing the same. To justify looping, you have to have like a 150-plus score, basically. Give or take a week where there's a lot of tough captaincy options. But, um, of course, the exception to that is round 13 and 17 where mm. teams are depleted and we get a free crack at it. And, again, it, it does become a lot more relevant in the back end of the season where there's injuries, restings, minimal trades, where squads only have... 17 to 20 players where you do get a lot better crack at it but up until pretty well around 20 as i said excluding those two major buy rounds like what i'm saying is don't don't tear your team apart or make any decisions around trades based on oh i need that vc loophole opportunity if it happens one week and your vc goes nuts and you're in a position to do it comfortably happy days but you don't – it's not something you really need to plan for. It's tough with the VC loophole because the other thing is the Panthers don't play that much on a Thursday fucking night. Mm. So there's – like, Cleary's never the first guy to play, which for me, he – are we in a grand he's the best player in Supercoach? With Turbo out, yes. With Turbo yeah. out, yeah. So, mate, anything else that you've learnt this season you'd like to touch on? Nah, they're the big ones, mate. Yep. All right, so next one is our trade history. Things we did right, things we did wrong – um, obviously, sitting where we are, we haven't made all that many shocking decisions. Uh, there are a few minor ones here and there that if I could go back, I would change. Uh, who have you got, mate? Well, what stands out for mm. you? Yeah, to be honest, I've, I've been pretty happy with all my trades. Mm. There's been, as you said, a few minor ones, but there's been nothing that I look back on, uh, like the 2021 season when I brought in Daniel Alvaro in round seven for about two weeks for some God-known God reason. Um Looking back at it, I got my starting side pretty well right in terms of I, I didn't miss out on any of the real decent cheapies too often. Looking back at round one, the early stages, I had Ryan Madison in my team from the word go and people were saying, no, like um, he won't get the minutes, this, that, the two stacked in the forwards. And I was like, no, no, I want Maddo. He's so good. He played, he had like two-ish, two slowish rounds to start the season and I still wanted to hold him because I was like, no, he's that good. And then he did his hammy. Came, so I traded him naturally. Came back two weeks later and he's just been bonkers ever since. So that one hurt because I was like, I, I was ahead of the pack on it, but it hasn't paid off. The other one, Cam Murray, I wanted from round one, but when he missed both the preseason trials, all the word out of the Rabbitohs was that he was underdone and, and minutes might be an issue to start the season. So I avoided him. He went nuts. And then the other one was Cam Munster, who was in all my preseason teams. And then... One of the good decisions I did make was I went with Harry Grant from round one despite not being available round one, which ended up being a great move. But because I had him there, I had... Did Pappy play round one or did he miss it? I think he missed it from memory. I have a feeling I had... I'll be able to have a look, but... I have a feeling I had... So I definitely started with Pappenhausen and Grant. Um, So Pappy... Pappy did play round one. um, But I think I was a little bit concerned about having... Munster uh, uh, unavailable round one and Harry Grant available, unavailable round one with that massive amounts of money. Mm. So I avoided Munster, who obviously went nuts as well. But he didn't kill me. It just wasn't ideal. But on the flip side, instead of Munster, I got in Dylan Brown, who was one of my best trades of the season um, and just did a wonderful job for me. So the early stages, that's, where, that's how I was looking. Yeah, I, I sort of went, when I look at my right and wrongs, I think I got in Burbo and Tass, who have sort of, 
both bit me in the ass. Mm. Um, Tass, he could play round There's 17. There's still time for Tass. Oh, I've already traded him, to be honest with you. I just wanted to... I needed that spot. There's no time for Tass, then. There's no time for Tass, <laughs> yes. Uh, but if you did hold him and he does play 17, um, well done to you. I think this year, though, I made a lot of good moves at different points. It was obviously the week where everyone was going, do we buy turbo this week? Mm. I went with Reese Walsh, so I saved the... 500k or whatever turbo the was, was the there. big one for us all yes I, I think that that's the the, the most right thing both of us yeah. did we built, we'd never owned turbo and a lot of my mates that real that i believe really do get super coach some of them had turbo once some of them had him twice Oof. and th there's just no coming back to it yeah. if, if you can manage to get into the top ten thousand after having turbo twice fuck you've done well yeah he, he was the big one for me another one that i i was really happy with was olukawatu i got him in round two Oh, I was with you on that one, I think. Yeah, yeah. We're, like he has just been so good yep. this year. He has been unreal. And uh, I think I'll look back at round 13, and that was a huge one for me. I, I got in Tapane, Manu, and Garrick that were all under 630K. Oh, like I spent a lot of money that huge week. Trace. Huge, but, but they were massive. Like Tapane's yep. averaged just about 85. Mm. Since then, he's been incredible. Manu and Garrick. Garrick, I, I was almost not going to do. Uh, and then I think it was um, Darusi that sort of talked me around on that one, or yeah. maybe it was Manu, one of the other ones. But yeah, and I think also Talakai. Mm. We both got him at the right time. We, I can't remember when you got him exactly, but I got him the week before his. What, what do you? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I had him the week. Yeah. I, 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 I got him round five. Yeah, yeah, so that was big. That was huge. I mean, if you miss that one, Oof. you're in some serious curry. Um, you spoke about the ones you got right. Is there anything? You know, that stands was, out that you got... Yeah, like I said, nothing bad, but ones that could have done better, I suppose. And, and going back a little bit further, uh, I was a little bit late on Nico Hines. I did get him in the week of his... What, did he get a 180-odd or something yep. there? So, and, and that's an example of break-even, and I could be wrong on this, but from memory, he had a break-even, a three-figure break-even, and it was like, oh, you could wait a week. But he had a really nice match. I was like, nah, need him for this week because he could go nuts. He did. So I was a bit late on Nico, but I th it didn't cost me too, too badly. Um, the ones I would have taken back, Tamari Martin I brought in, who ended up being a, a bit of a flop. Not horrible. I still made some decent coin out of him, but not what I sort of anticipated. Brandon Smith is one that is still to play out. Uh, he's been no good early on. That being said... He's not going to get the cash generation that, that I'd hoped for, but he was purely around 17-1 for me. Like, I haven't played in the last two weeks when he scored poorly, and I haven't even thought about it. The idea of him was to get him for round 17, where he should start at hooker, play big minutes, and for that week, he will be a gun. Yeah. Um, he looks like he's been a little, carrying something, a bit of a niggle as well, so I'm hoping he can get that sorted by round 17. But as long as he scores well in round 17, I got him at a cheap price, so not too bad, and he'll become Harry Grant sort of around 19 or so anyway. Um, what else did we have here? They, yeah, they were probably the main ones. Mitchie Moses was great for me when I brought him on in earlier in the season. Um, yeah, yeah, they're the big ones. And how'd you, how'd that Brian Toto trade for you to pan out last week? Yeah, mate, I'm, I've got a great super coach mind. So <laughs> no, you are, you, you saved me there. It, yes. it was so good on last week's podcast. I was going to get the quote out and go word for word for you, but I oh, just too lazy and couldn't be bothered and. Last week's podcast, we're chatting about it, and Guru saying, "Oh, so I don't know. He's outside old glue hands, Stephen Crichton. There, I'm not sure if he's he's on the wrong edge. At least waiting to round seventeen, about five minutes after I left the studio. So, Toto, you reckon? <laughs> Mate, I sat in the car and I didn't turn the engine on for about three minutes because I just sat there and went, "Fuck, I'm going to have to fold here. I know I'm going to get him now." But you, you almost didn't get him. 
Oh, I, oh, I almost did it. You, you were fucking paying rent in my head yeah, all week because you were yeah. texting me, oh, I don't know if I will, and I'm going, well, I am. Have I just been lured into a fucking trap here? Yeah, well, what I um, if you brought him in and I didn't for that ton, that would have been, that would have killed <laughs> me. But I was, at, uh, I was at the races on Saturday, a few beers down the gullet, a bit of Dutch courage, sitting there with Adam DeRussi and Ads. I, I handed him my phone because I wanted Toto so bad, but it just didn't suit the setup of my team and you can't always do them but I was like nah he's going big he's going big and I said to Ads mate can you just find a way to get Toto in and he goes he goes if you've exhausted all options I'm not going to change your mind or anything I'm like just have a look and he goes the only thing I can see is that he which I did same Ads did was go Joey Manu down to him and we got chatting we got chatting we got chatting and said see you Joey Toto in <laughs> and when he scored that junk time try with a minute to go I was just like justified well one of our mutual friends texted me and said i think tim's gonna trade out marner mm. and i went he won't trade out marner no way and he goes i think he might he's he's on the beers at and he went to type <laughs> races in order corrected to raves and i was like <laughs> oh fuck beers at raves this could yeah. be anything for tim maybe he will do it and then you did do it and yeah. i was like fuck insane but um how, how you feeling about that one now in, in retrospect really good yeah. uh, and the more i thought about it it was one of them ones where I was so set in, Manu's not leaving my team. And then you just have to take a breath, have a look at it, weigh up your options and just go... When he's playing at centre, I think he's great to have in your team, but I don't think he's must-have. I think you'll have lower mm. scores in him. Uh, the big one was that round 18, whereas if Teddy rests post-Origin, which with the Roosters' position they're in, there's every chance he plays, but against the Dragons and Joey to fullback is like, that's a big one. But I was really keen there to just... The Roosters have a tough few weeks. I, I was coming into my team regardless after Origin, so I'm like, it's, just, it's saving me a trade down the track anyway. We know, which we get to a little bit later, that the round 17 options aren't as good as we thought they were, so I was like, I don't need to go as hard on that as anticipated. Uh, and Toto, I just... I think he's probably maybe not the best... He's pretty close to the best centre-winger supercoach. So I'm very happy with it. And I also haven't ruled out the idea of getting money back in my team later okay. on if I want to. That was going to be my next question. Yeah, yeah there yeah. is the Wellbury comes sure. back in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mate, are there any other trades you want to touch on there? Right, wrongs, anything that stands out to you as far as your year goes? Uh, that's it, mate. All good. Yep. The SC Playbook Podcast has teamed up with proud sponsors Pat and George from Mortgage Choice Sutherland, Cronulla and Wollongong this season. The boys are experts in all types of home, commercial and car loans. So whether you're a local or living interstate and looking to purchase your first ever home or chase the last rate for your refinance, give them a call on 9521-1611 today and mention SC Playbook for your free tailored expert advice session. All right, how we placed... For the run home. So I'm ranked 43rd. You're ranked 254. We've both got 14 trades up mm. our sleeves. You're much more set for round 17 than I am. Mm. At the moment, I've only got about five in my team that are actually going to be there for round 17. I will use a boost in 17. I'm thinking I won't use one in 16. So I, I think you will... Uh, I, I, I'd probably back you to get in front of me after round 17 from where we are. Mm. But it will be tight, and I think you'll use more trades than me in the next two weeks. So yeah, I will. Uh, that's what's well, the anticipation anyway. Yeah. I, and because I've got the twenty-five, where I don't have any nuffs in there, any non-players. Like I've got twenty-five active players, which is, as I said, it's always my goal to do that. 
So what that allows me to do is be that bit shorter on trades from say sort of round 17, 18 onwards because if shit does hit the fan uh, and there's injuries and restings, I, I should have a decent amount of players and good players to bring into my side where I don't need to burn trades to, to scrape together a decent 17. Um, so 14 trades left, two boosts left. I've currently got anywhere from seven to nine for round 17, which I'm really happy with. Uh, you know, lots can change between now and then with all sorts of things. But having 25 active players also allows me to, to maybe get <coughs> enough such as Trent Peoples or an Isaiah Tash should they come and start in round 17, which is good and free up some cash in the process. Uh, I'll probably use anywhere from four to six trades in the, the next two weeks. I saved another one last week, which was good, uh, which will leave me about eight or nine trades for the run home, which with the depth I'm more than happy with because I'm already sitting three to three or four guns a week outside my 17. So it's a good position to be in it. And yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with how I'm placed going into sort of round 17 in a few weeks in the run home. It's going to be interesting. I just did some quick maths there, assuming we stay about the same as we are now. Mm. Heading into round 17, I think I'm 280 points in front of you. Mm. So you, you should be able to get slightly in front of me, I'd say. But I, I reckon I'd be within 100 points of you. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, if, if you've got, say, if I've got an extra four than you and they can go anywhere from 60 to 70, it'll be pretty, pretty close. Yeah, I, I reckon you'll have minimum four. Max yeah. six players, more, more players than me. So you should get in front of me, but that'll leave you with, I reckon you'll end up having eight trades left. Eight, eight sounds eight. about right. Yeah, yeah, I reckon I'll have 10. Yeah. So it'll be, the run home will be- Which is very handy. Cracking, yeah. Uh, and, and the big difference in our squads, I think, is that I've already got two nuffs. Yeah. I nuffed very early in the season. Um, I can't remember what my exact mindset was, but I nuffed a front row forward very early, just looking at it going, this is a fucking wasteland. Yeah. I don't want anything to do with it. It just worked out okay for who me. Who are your nuffs? Uh, I, I made mistakes on my nuffs too. I've yeah. got a front row forward nuff and then I've got a 2RF. I didn't even duel or anything. That just shows how much I don't think it through at times. Yeah. It hasn't cost me yet, yeah. <laughs> but I'm confident it will Always at some point. Always duel your nuffs. Yes, 100%. That, that's actually the biggest lesson Good I've lesson learned, there. which I don't know how on earth I didn't already... Yeah. <laughs> learn that lesson it seems like the most common basic fucking thing in the world but anyway um mate how we play yeah so we, i think we're both placed pretty well how, how do you obviously you've got as close as you can possibly get to taking the whole mm. thing out how do you feel right now compared to like your previous seasons when you were doing well and especially that that big season where you came second yeah i'm just i should be able to get up the history of that season and see where Actually, this would be quite interesting. So, yeah, right. It was better than I thought that season. I was top 100 from round seven. And Onwards? Kept, yeah, and I kept wow. that rank the whole way through. And then got to second in round nine, 19 and finished second. So, I mean, I'd have to go back and look at things in depth, but I feel as comfortable as I've ever felt at this period of the season. Mm. As I said, things can change Things so change quickly, quickly. yeah. We yeah, know yeah. that, but... I'm really happy with where I'm at uh, going into it. And while I'm not as high as I was, so yeah, around 13, or sorry, around 15, I was 22nd that year. But that was also a 20-round season, so a little bit different. Um, and, and that's probably why I almost feel more comfortable than I was then because because there's so long to go and I've saved a few trades, well set yeah. for 17. Uh, and I feel like people will be either burning through trades or have like, you know, as I said, three or four nuffs. So I feel like I can get a, a bit of a one-up on them in the long run. So, anyway, time will tell. Time will tell. It's going to be a cracking yeah. time to watch anyway. Um, 
before we get into questions, do you think that the uh, the trade boosts survive for next year? Yeah, I, I think they're a good yeah. asset to the game. You think they'll stay? Yeah, they just yeah. they they add a, something a little bit different, and I think primarily they were brought in to tackle the uncertainty of COVID and COVID outs, which yeah. there's been plenty, but there hasn't been like we've seen with the AFL, and I know a few AFL Supercoach players. Um, squads getting wiped out by that so they've really needed it uh but in terms of nrl teams there's only ever been sort of one or two at a club per round hasn't there pretty well so but i like it um there probably doesn't maybe need to be five maybe there could be like three or something but i think they've been a great addition to the game and it just it brings so much more strategy into it doesn't it I, I like it you yeah I, I agree and the thing that i love about it is that it brings more strategy but i don't think this year has highlighted what the exact strategy is mm. I still think going into next season, people will have different strategies and we don't know exactly yeah. what's right just yet. I agree with you though. I think bringing it down to three would make it very interesting, yeah. uh, especially when you're trying to hold for your buy rounds and whatnot. But I, I agree. I like them. All right. Um, now the first question, we've sort of already covered this sort of stuff, but Matt Diamond Pro says, the worst move you've made this year, if you just had to single it down to one, and I know it's tough because we've both done pretty well. What would be your absolute worst decision that, that, that you've made? What comes to mind straight away? Do you have one immediately? Because give me two seconds. Yeah, no, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I don't have one immediately that comes to mind either. I, f I feel like anyone that had turbo at any point could just shoot that one mm. straight away. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really don't have one that stands out to me. There's been like, honestly, I want to say Tassel Berber because they were just a pain in my ass. Outside of that, there hasn't really been a moment where it's been catastrophic for me. There isn't a moment where I've left a huge score on my pine that I thought about playing all week. I haven't really fucked up a captain at any point. I, I, I've taken one big captain gamble this week. I took stags a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I think, uh, I think Hines and Cleary both went for sub-60s. And I think stags got... 45 and he almost scored about three fucking tries it was a nightmare to watch but even that didn't cost me yeah so i, I really haven't had any huge yeah drops is I, there any, can I'm you find anything nothing bad i'm looking back at now like josh king i i didn't start with him and he was really good the first few rounds but i brought him in round four having had one price rise of not that much money so that was all right the only one that I can see maybe hurting me long-term is trading Suwali two rounds ago, who's been awesome since, mm. despite that tough draw. But again, I'm looking at getting as many numbers for seven, round 17 as I can, and then I'm looking at players that I want to get out of my team to accommodate those numbers. And that was another thing with the Joey Manu trade. I'm like, I went through the sort of six or seven trades that I wanted to make or players that I was eyeing off for round 17, and then I was looking at the players that I wanted to get out of my team. I was like, I didn't have six or seven players that I wanted to. Mm. Plus, you throw in the fact that I want to aim for guns for that round and I need to generate some cash. So Manu was like, all right, I'm not happy about losing him, but someone has to go. Suali was another one who was like, had to go. And in the process of doing Manu down to top, I would also free me up another 100K. So I'm going into next week with 180K in the bank, which is pretty handy. Um, so yeah, Suali, just the form he's showing is like... Jeez, he's doing that against tough opposition. I think they have Penrith next week. Yeah. Um, but he could be a really nice fifth, fourth, fifth centre wing for the run home. For sure. The only other one that I thought about, and he was really tough to watch at the start of the year, I never had Dylan Brown. 
Mm. And when he was going on those tears, yeah. I was sitting there going, fuck, how am I going to get him in? How am I going to get him in? I never did. And I don't think it's cost me. It obviously hasn't cost me all that much in the end, but he was really tough to watch for a couple of weeks there. Next one comes from Mr. Neverland. Says, I want Pappy for the run home. Do I sell Drinky and Penasini or Garrick and Kiraz? I imagine next week we're going to get inundated with yeah. these sort of questions about Pappy. Obviously, this question, uh, Kiraz has still got money to be made. Um, you know, Penasini plays round 17. There's a lot of moving pieces here. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, you've touched on it straight away. Kiraz, heaps of money to be made, so he's a trade for me probably around 17. But if he comes out and goes nuts again, it's like, well, and the doggies play well probably more than anything. Um, hold off on him. Drinky, you're a drinky owner, and, and you mentioned the other day, scored 50 or 60-odd on the weekend with only one try assist off a kick, was it? Yep. So, like, the issue with drinky's always been... That he can go low. Well, for me, that's his low. Like, that, that's pretty good numbers for him. Penasini plays 17. There's no way I'd be selling him. Maybe as a head-to-head -head player, you could sell Penasini. But even so, that round 17 number, very handy to have. Garrick is a... Garrick's a keeper. Um, and on... So, basically, on all four of them players, it can just wait till round 17 to make a decision. Uh, and on Pappy, everyone's saying you have to get him in here, like... People looking to get him in next round. The way I see it, I know I spoke about break-evens and high-setting plays and that earlier, but break-even 144, he's 930k. He's coming, hasn't played a game since round nine. <coughs> he's just had COVID. I think, A, there's every chance that Bellier plays him off the bench next week. Uh, even if he does start, like, there's no way I'm getting him in next week. He'll be a key target for round 17, but... With all those issues, if he does come back and score, say, 50-odd in round 16 and he has a break-even of 200, which he would because in his three-round rolling average, he had a 76 last game and a ton before that, which will drop out of his rolling average. As much as I want him for 17 and could get him for 17, there's every likelihood that I wait until after mm. sort of round 17, 18 to get him in because while I know money's not everything at this part of the season... You know, if he's about to drop 250k, well, that's a lot to play with. So, a big watch for me. No way will I be getting him in round 16. And they play mainly at Brookie. Very tough. Uh, so, he'll be around 17 earliest for me. I think the other thing with Pappy too, returning from multiple fucking leg injuries, we don't know if he'll goal kick. Huge. Which could really hurt as yeah. well. I'll tell you what will be interesting. They, they, they play mainly at Brookvale in that round 16. I believe it's the Thursday night. So it will be the first game of the week. It'll be very... I'm sure that social media will be going berserk if he is goal-kicking in the warm-up. If he is, yeah. I think there'll be a lot of people that'll get itchy feet. I still don't think I'll make the move, but if it comes out that he is goal-kicking, yeah. which we will know very quickly, I reckon there could be fucking chaos Tindy. there. Um, next one it comes from Timmy Gutridge. Uh, decision that I I haven't had to make. I don't think you have either. Cotter a hold or sell? Sell. Sell. Like it's... Not a great hammy injury, is it? Like, what is he, four to five weeks or something? Four to mm. six? Hypothetically, mm. <clears throat> if you're short on trades, could this be a little blessing if you if you sold Harry Grant previously just to hold Cotter? And by the time Harry Grant is done with Origin, mm. you could obviously move Cotter to Harry Grant. He's not going to lose any money sitting there, Reuben Cotter. Yeah, I mean, if you've got the, the depth to cover it, fine, but... 600k is a fair bit to be sitting on the bench for mm. saying that it's not too too much uh, i know a lot of people held pappenhausen for this long so if you can hold him at 900k you can probably hold cotter uh, most squads should be able to cover cotter at this stage but just hammy injuries are just yep. 
so bad for Supercoach because they come back, uh, reoccurrence is pretty high in them depending how how cautious the club is to his return. But because the Cowboys are killing it, they don't need to rush him back in. They don't need to rush him back in in big minutes. They've got so much forward depth that with Luciano coming up as well, uh, I just... I'm very happy to be a non-owner because he's a bloke that's frustrated me not having for a long time. Um, I'd be selling. He's also not the sort of guy that when he does return, he's not going to take it easy as well. Exactly. He's going to go 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. I can understand if you're holding until Grant returns, if, if you've got the squad that can do it, but I think I would be selling. But I'm as hard as it was watching Cotter for those few weeks, I'm glad I never made that. As much as I love Ruben Cotter, yeah. I'm glad I never made the move. Uh, John T. Moore, and this is one directed straight at you. Thoughts on Kickout as a keeper? You've got him, what do you reckon? I think he is. He's he's such a interesting player to own because we know his base is 33 base per game for a bloke averaging 76 minutes per game. A back rower is very poor. But his efficiency in his handful of runs a game is like nothing else. And I said before I brought him in about round, when was it? Maybe round 10 or so, that you'll get the 40s with kick out, but you'll also get the 80s and 90s. Um, and if that ends up being an average of 70, well, I'm more than happy to, to run with that. Yeah. And like he scores going back. Listen to this, 47, 88, 86, 36, 49, 84, 80. It's exactly so what happened. Out, eh? so <laughs> That's so, what you would have predicted yeah, when you brought him. That's exactly, exactly what so you yeah. And tell you what, he's been a fun player to own. And, yeah. and uh, he's, a t- he's just so, so good in attack, in the best attacking edge in the competition. The attacking stats are going to keep coming. With Liam Martin, Isaiah Yo playing big origin minutes, I just think he's the one who continues playing big minutes for the run home. So, um, like, I'm not, I, this isn't set in stone for me, but. I think he's a keeper and I'll be I'll probably be holding strong. Kickout might be the most honest player in Supercoach. He is just <laughs> exactly who he tells you he is. You know how it's going to go. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting one. All right, Gilso, 88. What strategy has worked well for the higher rankings compared to other strategies your mates have used? Bit of an awkward sort of question. We've already sort of covered mm. a little bit of it, but I guess especially, you know, you obviously interact with a lot of Supercoach players through the playbook. Is there any strategies that you've seen groups of people utilise that just haven't paid off at all? Um, probably it's an awkward one, eh? Probably not off the top of my head. And as I said, I, I sound like a broken record, but everything I, I do is just tailored at long-term versus yeah. short-term strategy. And, and while those people opting for short-term strategies now that have 11 trades left and, and have used five trade boosts and whatever, um, and they yeah, have three or four nuffs in their team and are sitting top 200. It's like, all right, enjoy your run home because it's going to yep. be a nightmare. So my, my one always goes back to just being patient and having looking long-term yourself. Yeah, yeah like I, I've got a number of mates that, that, as I said, know their super coach that just went ceiling, ceiling, ceiling. Mm. They went Garrick, they went Turbo, they went all in, they got burnt. Ten weeks later, they came back for another burning with Turbo and I was just sitting there going, you're fucking mad. Just, just sit on your hands. Yeah. Just, just see what happens there. I'll, so. tell, I'll tell you one strategy that I've, I've mentioned before plenty of times, but now that we're getting depth in positions, and not just depth, like guns on our bench, and we're able to pick and choose players, one of my strategies I've always opted for is to try and get you know, six gun centre wings mm. because it's such a volatile position where players can get 20 or they can get 180. I love being able to pick and choose based on their matchup each week. 
So on a week where Joey Marnie might play the Roosters like next week, you might be able to sit him and bring in another gun who has a soft matchup. And it just, that is like so invaluable for the run home. So if you can stack a position, CT Dub's the one to do it. And I would say that's the number one thing I've taken from you this year. When you said that a few weeks mm. ago, that's what eventually convinced me on Brian Toto. Yeah. Just thinking about that sort of play. So when I win my 50K, I'll probably owe you 49, but uh, <laughs> that's okay. All right, uh, Harry Max 16. Both of your thoughts on Latrell. Round 17 coverage and looks really fit. Um, nothing gets me harder than a hype video and South <laughs> Sydney have been fucking nailing theirs. What are your thoughts? My initial thoughts are... I think he plays Origin. I really do. Yeah. I think win or lose the Blues, that he's so good. The, the COVID... COVID, missing rep round, all these sorts of things have delayed his return a little bit. It hasn't been injury delaying his return, so that can only be good things for his hamstring, you'd have to imagine. So I think if he comes back and plays 16, which he will, uh, as far as I know, and looks half all right, I think he plays Origin. If he doesn't, uh, absolutely I'll be tempted for him. Uh, the Bunnies, let's have a look, run home. They play Knights 17 into Doggies, Storm, Sharks, Warriors. We'll finish with... Jeez, they finish with the Eels, Panthers, Cowboys, Roosters, which is head-to-head finals. That's a tough draw. That's a really tough draw. Well, mate, draw. The, the whole thing is tough. I mean, if he does play Origin round 17, which I agree with you, I think he will. Yeah. That means at round 16 he'll play Parramatta. Yeah. Who, I mean... Yeah, so he's like... He'll be the super pod of all super pods because we know how good he is. But coming off a lengthy layoff, uh, if he were, even if he was available 17, with that run home, I'd probably avoid. Yeah. But, no, that run but we can reassess tough. that after round 16, can't we? <laughs> it's so funny. I remember sitting there in the preseason looking at Luttrell. Um, and there was a time there where our draft grand final was going to be round 24, not 25. Mm. And I was sitting there going, Luttrell versus the Cowboys in round 24. <laughs> yeah. That's the guy to get. That's the fellow I want. <laughs> now I'm looking at it going, fuck, I don't know if Luttrell crosses 50 there. <laughs> Crazy how, how much the Cowboys have changed everything up. Um, all right, next question. Comes from Maxi. Only have six round 17 players. Want more, but I don't feel like there are many keepers. What to do? This here could be my burner account. I just, I look at round 17 and you, you keep saying to me, you're going to make six trades, five trades. Mm. And I'm looking there going, I can't find five fuckers that I want in my team that are playing in round 17. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a lesson in probably just being adaptable in Supercoach and sitting back and saying, all right, like in my situation, I'm aiming for 15, 14 to sort of 15 players for round 17, but I'm not going to force trades for the sake of doing it. And he's spot on that there's not the amount of guns emerge. I've spoken about how round 13, you can get away with a few borderline keepers who you can then move on um, after round 13. Round 17 with trades getting scarce, you really want to be bringing in keepers if you can. Keepers or maybe one or two nuffs, as I said, like maybe a Peoples or a Tass uh, who could be an extra number on the way home, but they'll free up cash and give you hopefully a half-decent score in round 17. Um, so let, like, let's say the nuffs don't emerge either and you don't have them to, to factor into your f- six trades or five trades over the next two rounds. The, the options might not be there and you're not going to tear your team apart to get numbers for 17 and then leave yourself short on both trades and guns from round 18 onwards. So I had an option to boost last week and I could have done some funky things which may have worked out for me. And I just sort of thought, there's so many question marks around all these mm. guys. We can watch the round that's just been, we can watch rep round and then go into round 16 and have so much more of an idea about these trades. Um, so for me, 
I'll just be waiting, seeing how the next couple of weeks play out. And it's also why I sort of said all season that a boost for round 13 and a boost for round 17 is so important because come that round, we know that players are going to be available to play. They'll have missed origin selection or um, they're not injured and they're good to go, whatever. Uh, we know who the nuffs are going to be. So, yeah, I, it's a sit on your hands and you just... It's a week-by-week week proposition. But, as I said... You don't need to force trades to get numbers for 17 if the players aren't there. Yeah, no, that's the last thing I would say too. If you're left with one boost like I am and you get to 17 and it's not there, don't feel like you have to use no. your fucking boost. I, 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 I think yeah. that's where people are going to fall down a lot. Yeah. People are going to use it for the sake of using it. I, I say I'm going to have 14 or 15 for round 17. If the trades don't appear and I have 11 or 12, sweet. Yeah, so it they, could happen. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. All right, last one comes from at Steve Hevner, 420 Blaze. Sounds like a real straight shooter. Colum and Tungy <laughs> or Barnett? Uh, two guys that look decent for round 17, but two guys that I just I can't see myself getting to round 23, 24 and having Colum and Tungy or Barnett. They weren't in my long-term plans. I don't trust Barnett with Newcastle. I feel like he could lose minutes mm. at any minute and... Uh, Coleman Tungy, I mean, uh, he's been really good this year, but he is attacking stat reliant. We saw Ilias get hooked the other day. It could be Nicarima at seven. It could be Ilias. I just, I don't trust South Sydney. We just went through Latrell's draw. It's pretty damn tough. I'm not huge on either of these two in general. 17, I can understand you going for him, but I, I don't know. Neither scream out to me. Coleman mm. Tungy is a funny one. He's he's very much a a B-grade version of Kikau in, yep. in Supercoach because so attack reliant. His base of... I mean, to be fair, his base of 45 is a lot better than Kikau's. But, you know, he does need attacking stats to, to score keeper-like um, scores. That being said, four tries for the season. He's averaging 61 points. Um, he's a borderline keeper. The last two weeks have been interesting for me because I wasn't overly keen on him, but he's base 45 and 59 the last two weeks. He's locked into an 80-minute role at the Bunnies. So... If you can keep up that base in, say, round 16, that's looking a lot better. Um, in saying that as well, he's not a player that I'm going to want to play in my 17 for the run home, but he could be a, a good extra sort of second row forward to have as an option there. Barnett is one that I really like, but you nailed it. Just with Adam O'Brien there, you don't know. And a lot of back row depth as well. We saw Fitzgibbon has already been dropped He's leaving too. Yeah, and he's leaving, yeah. so... I wouldn't be bringing him in until round 17, but he's 465K um, back on an edge roll where he played 66 minutes last week for 71 points with 55 in base. The week before, 56 minutes, 61 points, 58 in base. They're really good numbers. So, look, not yet, but if we get a 460K Mitch Barnett playing 70 to 80 minutes round 17, I don't mind it, but uh, again, none that I'll be going on just yet. Barnett gives me those vibes like some other guys in this comp, like he's going to disappoint me when I rely mm. on him. That's always my worry with Barnett. Uh, I don't think I, I could look at it either, but I have to make those decisions. Come round 17, not really sure which direction I'm going, and right, they might end up being some of the better options, unfortunately. And that's a great point. Yeah. Um, where we, We've already just said the lack of guns there. It might be a Kalamatangi or a Barnett. To, and their blokes provided, you know, all going to plan that I'd be happy to play in my 17 for decent points in round 17. But then it might be all right to be get them in for one round and then they're going to be chopped two weeks later for a gun post-origin sort of thing. So uh, all things to weigh up. Especially when it looks like Maddo by that point. What's his, he's got a high break even this week. He'll still be 650k. Well, Maddo's the big one that's emerged, yeah. hasn't he? After that origin snub, it's, 
it's a funny one because I'm annoyed because I don't own and a lot do and they've as it stands they have an extra number for round 17 but it also is like all right I can trade a genuine gun in for round 17 so it sort of works both ways yeah for sure uh mate we done and dusted for rep weekend we are, mate. Trying yeah. to put the feet up and feet relax up. and get ready for the run home. Yeah, good. Looking forward to it. Nervous as all hell. Uh, thank you for joining us once again, guys, on Beers and Break Evans. Make sure you give Supercoach Playbook a follow on all socials. Subscribe to the podcast if you're listening on mine. If you're listening on Playbook, subscribe to the Rugby League Guru podcast, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all the same places as Timmy is. Uh, bloke in a bar, go out and grab yourself a case this weekend for Rep Brown. Myself and Timmy will be returning on Monday with Denon for a huge... Origin 2 mm. review. That could be a six-hour episode, that one. Pending the result, of course. Only six, you reckon? Maybe. If Queensland win, I, I don't know if I'm going to show up. Just call yeah, yeah. Leave game. him by himself. Yeah. I, I don't know if Matty will be there either. Matty can Matty can. Matty, are you him. more likely to show up if we win or lose just quietly? You, you, you could be a missing person either way. Yeah, I probably won't be here next Monday. I'll, I'll see you in two weeks. Float in here in a body bag. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us once again, guys. Denon's got trackies dropping next Wednesday, 6 p.m. Uh, are they next Wednesday, mate? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow 6 p.m. Uh, so stay tuned for those. Make sure you get in quickly. They will fly. There's some pretty good kit. Cheers, guys. We'll see you next week.